today instead of our instead of our regular worship service because we at the time of this recording we are anticipating possible tropical storm or hurricane this this weekend so in the interest of safety and keeping everyone and we do pray that as you receive this message that everyone has remained safe so in lieu of that we are having our devotional message and uh, to go along with our communion as we feed on uh, the body and blood of our Savior 
For our devotional message, I'd like to call your attention to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. That's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and evil and all slander. Like newborn, babe, uh, newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In verse 23 of chapter 1, Peter refers to believers as those who have been born again by the imperishable living word of God. And in our text, he uses that same imagery or that same analogy of infancy or the conception of human life, and he builds on it, and he builds by shifting from the conception of life to the growth and the development of the life that has been conceived by the Spirit through the Word. So in other words, in verse 23 of chapter 1, he introduces the concept of the conception of spiritual life. And in the verses that follow that make up our text, he's talking about that life as it has developed now that it has conceived he gives us the pattern of its growth and he uses the same analogy. Very good analogy, by the way, for the Christian life, one that is conceived uh, through the ministry of the Spirit and the Word and then grows and develops. So there are four things that we want to look at in preparation for the Lord's Supper from this particular text. The first thing, uh, the first thing that I want to note is in verse 1 of chapter 2, where Peter gives us a glimpse of what the life conceived by the Spirit through the Word, he gives us a glimpse of what, of, of, of what a healthy, uh, once it grows up, what is a healthy, Spirit-nurtured, uh, Spirit-conceived believer? What does that person look like? In other words, what is a portrait of a healthy Christian? And the life that has been conceived by the word in verse one, we know that it's healthy in that it is laying off the things that are contrary to the law of God. Now, a couple of things that we need to, to, to note on this, that what he says in verse one, uh, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy. This isn't so that you can become a Christian. This assumes new life that has been given. Um, Stephen Doolittle, 19th century preacher, said that, or Thomas Doolittle, I'm sorry, Thomas Doolittle made the point that growth presupposes life. In other words, the only thing that can grow is that which is alive. So it's important to note that Peter is not saying in verse 1 of chapter 2, lay these things off so that you can. But rather, what he is indicating is that, no, you are a healthy Christian who has been conceived by the Spirit through the Word. Here is what a healthy Christian looks like. Not perfect, not, you know, not one that is, is without any faults or failures, but one that is conscious of the law of God 
and therefore is active in laying off those things that are part of our old nature, those things that are inconsistent with the word of God. There are two places in Paul's letter to the Ephesians that come to mind here as we look at this. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, and we'll look at verse 10, and then we'll look at chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. But in chapter 2, verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God be, uh, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then in chapter 4, beginning in verse uh, 20, uh, 22, uh, Paul says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and, to, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what does a life that has been conceived by the Spirit through the Word, what are the measurements of a healthy life? In other words, we have in, in natural life uh, the conception of a child. We watch that child grow, and there are indicators that tell us whether or not they are healthy uh, in terms of their cognitive abilities, in terms of their motor skills. There are things that, that you watch for that can tell you whether or not they are healthy. Uh, and there are indicators that if you don't see these things present, then we know that you have a particular issue. I had a, a sister, my only uh, sibling that I've lost, she was two years younger than me. And she was born with a hole in her heart and so she had open heart surgery, the two open heart surgeries within the first year of her life. But she also had a hearing problem. And uh, she was hard of hearing. In fact, she was, I believe she had 30% hearing in one ear and uh, less than 50 in the other ear. So she really, she had a hearing problem. And this hearing problem wasn't discovered until she was about two, two years old or so because she had been in and out of the hospital. And as I understand it, one of my uncles was calling her and playing with her, and she wasn't responding. And he indicated that maybe there's something wrong. And the reason he felt that there was something wrong is because she wasn't responding to certain things, certain sounds that he felt. Now, she would get close to the radio, and she could hear some somewhat, but her hearing deficiency wasn't discovered until there, the, the regular measurements by which you assume a person can hear, she wasn't able to hear those things. And so he recognized, hey, there's a problem. And so my parents took her to the doctor and they, they tested her hearing. And sure enough, she had a hearing deficiency. The point that we're making here is that what Peter does is in chapter one, he says that we were born again by the spirit through the word. A healthy, genuine, growing person who has been given life by the Spirit through the Word, one of the indicators of health is that they are putting off the old nature. They are recognizing that, um, that those things, the, the things that he mentions, and you, it's not just those things, but the, the other things that he mentions, slander and uh, malice, those things that cling to our old nature, 
A healthy, genuine Christian is one who is at war with those things. So, again, uh, the life that is conceived by the Spirit through the Word, we can determine its health by the fact that it's fighting against the flesh. A second thing to note <clears throat> is the means by which this health or this healthy state is accomplished. So if verse 1 is the signs of genuine health, then what produces that health? And again, using the same model and the same analogy of a baby that's growing, babies don't get healthy just by waking up every day. They get healthy. The thing that builds physical strength uh, with babies is nutrition. So they are receiving nutrition. And so the thing by which the one who has been given life through the Spirit by the Word and what makes them healthy to put off the old nature, Peter says that it is the spiritual milk of the Word of God. So the Word of God is to the one that has been uh, quickened by the Spirit, the one who has received life from the Spirit through the Word, that same Word becomes the source of one's putting to death the deeds of the flesh, or as Peter says, laying aside all malice and hypocrisy and deceit and slander. So it is the Word of God that it nurtures uh, the life that has been produced through the ministry of the Word. Now when we say the Word of God, it's the twofold ministry of the Word of law and gospel. The law reveals God's will. The law reveals to us God's intent for human behavior so that we measure our lives through the standard of God's law. But we also recognize, uh, because the law not only reveals what God intends, it exposes the sin that's in us. So a healthy Christian is one who is made aware of God's law as the standard for our lives, but also recognize that we have not met that standard. Therefore, the healthy Christian is, or the healthy the one who is spiritually healthy is also nurtured by the gospel. The gospel is not something that we learn one time and then we memorize it and then we go on, a, go on about our business. The gospel has to be preached to us over and over again because the gospel tells us that the righteousness that God's law requires of us has been met by another. The gospel tells us that the penalty for our failure has been met by another. And if we don't have the, the gospel balancing our understanding of the law, it will lead us to one of, two, uh, one of two states. Either we will be deceived in thinking that we have met all of its requirements. That's what, that was the rich young ruler's problem. Uh, what, what must I do to be, to be saved? And Jesus says, what does the law say? And what does the rich young ruler say? Everything that it says, I've kept it from my youth up. That's deception. If you think that you have kept Fully what God requires in his law. If you think you've kept that, not only kept it, but kept it as a child, um, then you are deceived. 
So if you don't have an understanding of the gospel, then you can be deceived by the law in thinking that you've, you've made it. And therefore, we would encroach upon God um, those things because we are various things because we deserve it, because of our behavior, because of our goodness. But if the law does not lead you into deception and thinking that you have met its demands, the other extreme is that only looking at the law can depress you. You can become depressed and discouraged because you realize no matter how much I try, I keep messing up. And that's one of the reasons people think that we have to be rededicated over and over and over again. So we need the law so that we can have be reminded that it is God's way and not our way in, in, in terms of how we are to shape and, and, um, and, and manage our lives, that we are to be monitored by what God says. We are to view our neighbors. We are to view ourselves according to God's standards and not our own. And so a healthy Christian recognizes through the law the goodness and the holiness and the righteousness of the law. We're able to see that. But also, just left with the law, we sometimes think we've made it, but a real understanding of the law will say, no, you haven't. But also, it can leave us, if all we have is law, then we will be depressed and, dis and, and, and discouraged because we, we have failed. So therefore, what the gospel does is it shows us the righteousness of, the, of, of another, and it shows us the blood that was shed to pay for our sins. So a healthy Christian is one who's putting off, putting off the old and putting on the new man. But what creates that health is the ministry of law and gospel. Law and gospel is what creates that spiritual, it is the spiritual milk that produces spiritual growth and spiritual strength. But here's the third thing. Peter also indicates that a sign of genuine faith and therefore of spiritual health is it includes a desire for the word of God. He says in verse 2, as newborn babes, or in verse yeah, in verse 2, like newborn infants, long for the pure milk uh, and the, the pure spiritual milk. So where there is genuine life created by the Spirit through the Word, that will manifest itself in a state of spiritual health where we're putting off the old and putting on the new. The source by which we are strengthened to do that is the ministry of, of the word, law and gospel. But no one receives the word of God who's been quickened by the spirit through the word reluctantly. God doesn't have to force feed us the gospel. Now granted, there are seasons and moments in our lives when we will be so overtaken in guilt and so overtaken in sin that we put our fingers in our ears that we don't want to hear it. But ultimately, where there is genuine spiritual life, 
there will be a hunger and a desire for the very thing that nurtures us. That's one of the reasons in ultimately the, the ultimate form of church discipline is excommunication, where we remove a person from the privileges of the church because the assumption is one who is truly awakened by God needs the fellowship of the saints, desires to receive from the Lord's table. Now, granted, we do not cut them off from attending the worship of the, or the ministry of the word because we trust that through the ministry of the word, all of their affections and appetites for the grace of God in the gospel will be nurtured and it will reach a point where they will have to have the gospel. And that's what leads them to repent. Paul says in, in Romans, it is the goodness of God that leads men to repent. And the goodness of God is what is announced in the gospel. So wherever there is genuine spiritual life and a healthy spiritual life, there will also be an actual affection and an appetite for the means by which we are, are, grow, we are nurtured and given spiritual health. Here's the fourth thing. Peter also implies here, and I say it's an implication, but he implies a necessary connection between the ministry of the word and the Lord's table. And it's that combination of the ministry of the word and the Lord's table that undergirds and that part that is, is, is a significant part of our spiritual uh, health and our spiritual growth. Notice at the end of, of verse 4, uh, or in at the end of verse 3, I'm sorry, he says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, in referencing tasting that the Lord is good, there are some New Testament scholars that indicate that Peter is indirectly referencing the Lord's table because he's he speaks of tasting and the goodness of God is tasted. It is received into our bodies just as the word of God received through the ears gives life to our souls and we desire the word of God. The ministry of the Lord's table confirms what the gospel announces. Now, in Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And he says this, because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. But then he goes on to say that in it, we also see the wrath of God. The wrath of God is also revealed. And technically speaking, that's not the gospel message, but it is. It's, it certainly is what the gospel is all about. Because the gospel displays to us the righteousness that God requires, which is also the righteousness that he gives. And the gospel, the announcement of Jesus' life and his death, also connects us to the wrath of God. And so the wrath of God is on display in the gospel message because it is the wrath of God that is poured out on the Son that causes him to be crucified. And so when we receive of the Lord's table, what we are receiving is what Jesus says. This is my body, which is broken for you. 
And this is the cup of the New Testament, which was shed for you. And so what we receive physically in our mouths, what we receive is what is announced to our ears that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Here is the Lamb of God slain since before the foundation of the world. We heard it and life was created. And it's because we have received that message and have been given life through it that we are putting off the old man. But here is a further incentive for us to put off malice and deceit and slander. It is because we have tasted of the goodness of God. And so Peter is implying that there is a necessary connection between the, the gospel proclaimed verbally and the Lord's table set before us physically. And I would argue that a healthy understanding of the gospel necessarily gives us a healthy understanding of the Lord's table and vice versa. We do not come to the table because we are looking for life. We come to the table because we've been given new life. We're not coming to the table so that we can, so that we can, to, as, as proof that we are, are pure and perfect, but we come to the table because the announced gospel says that we are covered by the righteousness of another. And when we receive from the elements, when we receive the bread and the cup, then what we are embracing is the goodness of God that we actually taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you are troubled by your sins, if you're wrestling with putting this off and that off, then I invite you to what God has said in his word. I invite you to eat of the bread and to know that because you are in Christ, there is now therefore no condemnation and that there is nothing now that can separate you from the love of God. I know you feel bad. I know you're guilty. We all are guilty. But it is to us that the Father says, because he has given us life, and he says, take and eat and see that the Lord is good. I pray that that would guide us as we go to the table. So let's ask God's blessings. Our God and our Father, we come to you in the blessed name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the imagery of your written word, reminding us that we are babes. We have been given birth. We have been conceived. We've been conceived by the Spirit through the word. And the same word that brought, that, that gave us life, sustains and strengthens that life. And Father, we thank you that you feed our bodies with the substance by which we have been brought to you. 
And so we come and we ask your blessings, not only upon the word that has been proclaimed, but we ask your blessings upon the cup that we are about to receive. We thank you for those that you have brought into fellowship. And as we come, make us mindful of our sinfulness. Strengthen us at the level of the inner man that we would never be comfortable in those things for which our Savior died. That we would struggle in our flesh to, to lay aside everything that is dishonorable to you and contrary to your holy word. We thank you for the table set before us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who brings us to the table. And we pray now that as we receive, give us the confidence and the assurance that all of our sins from the least to the greatest has been purged through the wounds of our Savior. And give us the comfort of knowing that in his body, all that you have required of us has been met. So that by his stripes, we are healed. Feed us now for your glory. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. In which Jesus was arrested. He took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. As they were eating, he took the cup and he blessed it also. And he gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth this fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. Amen.